this is Hannah, and this is April. Thank you for listening to Nocturnal Distraction. I heard myself like, <laughs> trying to be quiet with my eyes closed, right? It sounded like a creeper. Are you quieter when your eyes are closed? I don't know. I couldn't look at you. <laughs> it's not like when you're like trying to navigate in your car and you turn down like the radio to like drive better. Yeah, that's exactly. How does that help? I do that, mind you. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like it's going to help me in yeah concentration but to see if my eyes were open i would have looked at you and then i would have started laughing but then i don't look at you that's the whole purpose i know but see you don't look at me and then i'm like she's purposely not looking at me this is going down we're gonna have a laugh that's <laughs> right down so i just shut my eyes and breathe like one of those creep people behind you that's like <sighs> then you just have a breathe off like bailey Tarian, where she gets like a phone call where somebody's breathing and she's like i just do a breathe off they're like and I'm like, what? <laughs> and they're like, and I'm like, there's a whole lot of happening. So hello, everybody. <laughs> you choked on your breathing. Your spit breathing. Yes. Nice. I hope you have all recovered from our last two hour episode. It was awesome. Thank it was a long trip. It was long. Not though. meant to be long episode, but it was. So hopefully you guys all caught enough out of that and followed along enough. They did. And if they didn't, they did. I felt like I was confusing myself sometimes. But then it happens. When I'm reading through like my notes and I'm also trying to talk so I get off of my notes and then trying to get back to where I was at in my notes and it's not a bad thing but it's like shifting. And I sometimes I have that. I'm like ask a million and have questions and you're like wait I'm not there yet. Usually I'm ready but like those since I wrote those notes up like I was like really lost on where I was at in the whole lot. And there was a whole lot of pages I didn't do. You know, but it was so fucking good. You did such a good job. Hope you guys liked it too. You know, you guys can always send us like, I don't know, feedback. Be great. I'd I'd like it. Some kind. Of some kind. She'd like it. I like it. I did give you feedback. You don't love my feedback. I, I, I don't mean around. your feedback. <laughs> I'm joking with you. I know what you mean. <laughs> Cheese and Louise. And fried crackers. Peas and pods. I don't fucking know. Now you just pull alliteration. Yeah. That's all right. Loose up my chip. <laughs> okay. We are now on then level number four. Four. Of the 22 level gradations of evil scale. And what is that, Kendra? What is that? What is what? I know what the evil scale is, but what is number four? Tell us. So I'm getting there. I know, but it's just one of those questions. All of a sudden, how to honor. Okay. All right, guys. So, serious. Um, with this case, I'm going to be bringing you the case of Susan Cummings, who shot and killed her boyfriend, Argentine polo player Roberto Villegas. Who was 38 on September 7th, 1997. Susan claims it was self-defense, but based on the information that was gathered by the police during and investigators during, during the investigation, it was not as cut and dry as it may have appeared, which is why I am it. In this level, as a recap, level four can be defined as killing in self-defense, but with the caveats or the I know what caveat means, and now I can't think of what other word it would be. Under, disguised as? Kind of. But basically, it's being extremely provocative towards the victim and not provocative like a sexual way. 
but alluring that they cause yeah maybe something but it basically means that they cause annoyance anger or another strong reaction out of the person deliberately in order to get them to react in order like you're being annoying like they're being provoked 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 all right yeah so the difference between provocation and self-defense is the issue of self-control in a case of provocation the defendant is required to prove that he or she had lost his or her self-control because he or she was provoked and acted without intent. Example, someone breaks in and attacks you, you fight back and kill them. That's self-defense. Right. However, goading someone until they snap and go to attack you and you are aware of their triggers and then you kill them would be you killing them by provocation. Gotcha. Just being a dick. Yeah, so like you want it to be self-defense, like you want to get rid of them somehow, but you want it to be self-defense. So you just keep poking the bear until they just give you a reason to kill them. Right. So my mama always told me, oh dear. <laughs> right, I can get in a fight at school, but I couldn't throw the first punch. And there was times when I would like poke the bear until they did. Poke the bear until they hit me so I could watch out. This is like that only a fair murder and more levels. Yeah. This is like not, not this is no longer gray, gray ground shit. Like, yeah. We're up into like the actual like yeah. All right, um, all right. Damn. Dylan, I trigger warning I have in this one is somebody dies. And that's what the show is about. So which there's is no trigger I mean, warning. That, that's not good either. Lying to you. That just sounded terrible. But like, there's not gonna, there's no children involved. There's no sexual, like nothing like that. Just so murder. if you're okay with murder, <sighs> if you're not, you're on the wrong channel. You need to go find a happier podcast. I'm sure they got a rainbow someplace that they're talking oh, about. Oh, they do. Oh, yeah. No, I'm joking. I'm, but they do that. Trust me. You know, I haven't looked, but I'm pretty sure. So try not to go on this off little thing right now. So rainbows, unicorns. Rainbows, unicorns. So, okay. So we got to talk after this episode about rainbows. Oh, dear. Yeah. Am I going to get upset about that? I don't think so. I'm just curious about the colors. It's not about the colors. Oh. It's about it needing like glass or plastic. Oh God! We're it, getting you on that, aren't yeah. We? Yep, 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 yep. I'm still stuck on it. We'll explain that in another episode. Yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so if you would like to join the membership on Buy Me a Coffee, maybe that could be our uh, Ooh. I mean. You cover mysterious the same. There you go, guys. Join that. Uh, join that to find out what April's tangent you're on this week. Yep. For so like a month. We're going we're to start off with uh, Susan Cummings and who she was. So she was one of actually two fraternal twins. Her sister's name was actually Deanna. And they were born into wealth and privilege, basically, on August 19th, 1959. Their father was actually a former CIA weapons specialist. Did you say 1959? Yeah. Okay. Um, former CIA weapons specialist turned billionaire arms dealer. Oh, okay. Daniel Cummings was his name. And her mother's name was Irma Cummings, who was a beautiful, charming, and wealthy young Swiss woman. So they grew up wealthy, very wealthy, obviously, billionaire arms dealer. You know, wealthy. Mm. So, growing up, Suzanne and her sister, though, were really, really different. Uh, Suzanne was very quiet, withdrawn, kind of tomboyish. Mm -hmm. 
and really shy and loved to spend most of her time alone or accompanied by many animals. And she seldom dated. I feel like she sounds like me. Why is a tomboyish? I'm not a killer. I'm not a killer. Everything else, we're good. Not the killing part. Not a killer. Deanna, on the other hand, her sister was pretty confident, outgoing, famously loved, socialized with many friends, and often surrounded by adoring boyfriends. Hmm. I feel like almost with fraternal twins, that happens more often than identical twins. You have that vast personality difference. 100%. I have cousins, they're fraternal twins. They obviously they look nothing alike, they're completely opposites. Mm-hmm. Polar opposites. And, um, ooh, do they fight? I'm sure. Oh, my God. Sure. Because I think, unfortunately, they've done studies with identical twins to see how alike they are when they're raised apart from each other. They're still super, super alike. Really? Look-wise, clothing style-wise, their interests, all that. But the way they went about doing the study was Yeah. That's a whole... Another, well, we'll get into that sometime, but that's... She's all I go that's, doing. Yeah. Um, so as adults, though, Susan lived on... Sorry, Susan and Deanna both lived on a huge 340-acre farm, which was named Ashland Farm in... Oh, I can't even say it. Fokker? 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 Fokker in Fokker, Fokker County. Fokker County, Virginia. And... I swear to God, that's how it's pronounced, you guys. <laughs> I listen to it a bunch of times and gonna giggle every single time I say fucker. <laughs> so fucking cute. Fucker. Yeah, fucker. Fucking fucker. Sorry. Sorry, Virginia. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not sorry, Virginia. You picked it. <laughs> I think it's awesome because I love true. the word. <laughs> so it's a rural county with a population at the time of about 53,000. Um, her father had actually purchased this farm for both her and her sister in 1948. For uh, them? Yeah, for them. Okay. So it's a farm that she has horses and stuff. I gotcha. Oh, no. Oh, so he didn't give it to him. They got it so that they could... Oh, that part doesn't matter, I'm sure of it. But they're that spoiled that... Yeah, like that their dad bought them a farm when they're adults. A 340-acre farm. Wow. In a very wealthy area. So, Fokker was home to some of the counties or countries wealthiest families as well as farmers and middle class commuters um so on this farm she actually owned and managed a horse farm and was a well-known virginia socialite hmm. however she did not enjoy partying and was devoted to her horses yeah okay. makes sense I that is the quiet one yeah so that's our main gal well, we won't talk a whole lot more about Dan. That would be mostly that Susan. Oh, okay. So, despite her great wealth, Susan couldn't seem to find anything or anyone to engage her interest. So she kind of went around a bunch of different hobbies and things. Um, she turned, wound up turning like all of her attention onto animals, adopting several dogs from the pound and building elaborate dog houses, but had few friends and often seemed lonely. Going from hobby to hobby, said it. Uh, Amy Warden, who boarded her horse at Ashland Farm from 1987 until 1994. Um, Susan dabbled in art for a while and was interested in steeplechasing for a time. I had to look this up. Yeah. I was like, what the heck is steeplechasing? Like, people chase steeples? Like, what is this? What is this? What is this thing that I do not um, 
No, I don't have the wealth. You know, oh. knowledge. Right. You got to be fancy. Not wealthy, but wealthy enough for this knowledge. Right. Watch it beaten as something not wealthy. Is it a wealthy thing? No, it's the horsey thing. Oh, okay. Apparently, it's just distance horse races where they jump over obstacles. That's people shit. Oh, it was called steeplechasing because it originated in Ireland where people would ride their horses from steeple to steeple using them and jumping over every obstacle they came across. They oh. were steeplechasing. I'm not sure why they were riding from church to church to church. That's how that name came to be. But I was like, steeplechasing? Like I said, I do not have the uh, reformed brain. <laughs> I love you. Can't think of what I want to say right there. She's not fancy enough. Right. right. I was not raised privileged enough. Right. To know what people chase. I, I wonder if like farmers know like rancher like yeehaws. I doubt it because it'd be more along the lines. People who would actually do these events are gonna be more along the ones that do the uh polo and the horse racing. Like Oh, it's an elite thing. Okay. Rich people stop overriding. Sorry if any of you out there are rich. You ready to send us some money? Right now, you guys have separate events than us. That's a neato Frito. Well, like, have you ever noticed that skiing is predominantly white people? Yeah. Because other people aren't stupid enough to strap two boards to their feet and go flying down the mountain. I can say that because I'm white. <laughs> Get I can make fun of you guys because I am white. I am white too, so I can make fun of the other white people. And my parents ski. Then my parents skiing around. They have they're close enough that they can ski right down to the darn lift and go up the mountain and ski down again. Yeah, because that's because that seems like a great thing for an almost seven year old to do. Well, you know, if you're young, (laughs) there we go until they break a hip. So she's a chapel runner. It was, but all these hobbies that she had faded away, and she had to find something new again. This guy sounds like me. Right? I just feels like she's really lonely. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what it is. And eventually, she did find a new interest, which brings us to, um, unfortunately, the victim in this case, who is Roberto Villegas. Oh. Hope I'm pronouncing that last name. Um, Villegas was born. Was it Villay? Villay or Villegas? I can't. Villegas or Villegas? Villegas, I bet. I'm going to say Roberto. Well, I'm just going to say Roberto. I'm because I'm, I'm not sure right now. Because you're white. <laughs> 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 Part of that is true. <laughs> I don't know. But I worked in enough schools with enough Hispanic. I feel people. like I like. I feel like you should know how to say this last name, and I and I'm second guessing myself. I feel I like I've like never wanted to like re-record or record <laughs> or like cross something out, but I feel like that whole section like just got to go. No. She says it. No. Okay, come on. <laughs> I'm not going to make fun of anybody else. It was make fun of them. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. I just feel like it's going to be, like, Look, if people get offended, if people get offended by that, they're listening to the wrong podcast. I'll just fucking say it. I'm throwing that out there anyway. So, <laughs> Roberto was born on October 22nd, 1959, and raised in Argentina, and then traveled to the U.S., um, he became part of a nomadic group of foreign polo players. 
mostly Argentine, who would travel from polo club to polo club in the United States. In the winter, they play in resort towns in Florida while they train. They gravitate north in the summer, hiring themselves out to wealthy amateur polo players who become the players' patrons. It looks like patrons, but it's actually pronounced patrons. Okay. So the wealthy people become polo players' patrons. So basically, they fund them. So I also had to look up... um, heck polo was and obviously i've heard of it and then i started realizing as i got to the end of my notes i'm like what it what exactly is polo? i was thought water polo but apparently there's yeah there's horses. such a thing but this is this is actually arena polo um okay. which is played on horses with a ball the size of a baseball and it's apparently four feet long wooden sticks and you try to knock each other off of horses while hitting the ball you have I to think, knock each other off. Well, I, yeah, that's one of the things. That so it's like to do. jousting. Kind of. I didn't look oh. that far into it, so I do apologize to anyone that actually plays. Hold it, right? Actually, my question for you is: Why are you listening to this? Um, uh. And if you are, please explain. What? <laughs> Dude, you are no, no. like oh, no, 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 why is what what is the draw i guess like of, of watching this right kind of thing because it's a really big thing in like high class or higher class society um elites yeah you know it's a it's kind of a sign of wealth and distinguishment and stuff like that so i'm just i guess i'm just curious as, as if it's just one of those like things where culturally societally you're taught that this is what we do all right It'll, just like some people watch football you know I wonder if it has something to do with like, okay, so horses are kind of expensive. They are. Right? You have to have a lot of money for those. And that's all I can come up with. Honestly, I personally, and I don't care who hears this and has an issue with it, like, I think it's fucked up to get on a horse and like make him trollop you around, knocking on a ball and then knocking each other off. Like, Everybody's like, oh, but we're kind to the horses, and oh, but we've traded that, 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 that. But I just feel like on the train, I've heard both. But, but do you like, think the yeah. horse, whether he's, I just, I have a hard time with things like that. Like, I understand rodeos. No, I don't. I think it's fucked up that you get him out there and you make him do all of these things. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I think I it, don't it, get it. it. Literally, it just depends on the trainer. Look at it like pit bulls. It depends on the trainer. Yeah, but why do you got to train your animal to do all of this stuff, like, so that you could be a cool, like, I don't get I don't it. Know. It has I, to be a culture or like your societal. Yeah. The societal thing, I think. Yeah. And the upper echelon. Right. So we, that we are obviously not a part of. Right. All wealthy people play polo and um, us Nebraskans. We go to rant or what are those things? Cavalry rodeos, rodeos. It's I don't almost like the same thing. We go to tractor bulls, tractor bulls, tractor bulls. I wonder if no like, animals there. Tractors pulling other tractors. Yeah, that's a real. Well, that's our entertainment, you guys. We see tractors pulling other tractors. Right, but I mean, do you get it? Like, so at the rodeo, they man, there's this. Anyways, so they have all of the tricks and stuff that they have that animals do. Um. And they just shoot balls with the stick. I'm not sure. Like I said, I did not get into like the super in depthness of it because, according to the article I was reading, it takes a really long time to learn how to play it. Yeah, 
and it takes a lot of skill. So oh. we'll get into that. Okay. A little bit. All right. Sorry, guys. We went off there. I feel like it was relevant. <laughs> what did you, what you feel like? What? I feel like it was relevant. Okay. As long as it was relevant, then I'm cool. Because I mean, I feel like it was. Okay. Sweet. And that's all. That's <laughs> the suffering. So the polo players, they play on their Patron's teams. They also coach the Patron as a, to become a player and train their horses. Got all that in there. Yeah. Um, the price tag for like this whole thing can start at $15,000 and can run into the millions per season. How much you have to put into it? Like how much they pay the polo player who becomes the Patron's basically coach and trains their horses. Okay. So um, it's kind of like the polo players are the main deal. I was thinking. Oh, and they're kind of, kind of like, it's kind of like the NFL draft where you're trying to get the best player. Right. And so teams are finding each other for the best player. And they're going to pay more money for whoever's the best player. So... I'm sorry, guys. I'm slow with it, right? So the rich people find some person to train and ride their horses. Well, they go to the polo matches uh-huh. and they watch the players out there and they see if they want to start, if they want to fund them via, to be a sponsor. Right. So the rich people aren't actually doing the riding. Not usually. However, they can be trained by the polo player. I got you. Yeah. All right. They're right. Like, I'm not even going to. Okay. They're swimming to that. They still have um, that to this day. Okay. That's cool. So, for Roberto, however, Polo obtained the ticket boat that got him out of his poor farming village in southern Argentina. Um, in that country, the, this game, Polo, is actually second only to soccer or football in popularity. So oh, it's really big down there. Oh, wow. Apparently. And Roberto began playing on neighbor's horses when he was 15. Uh, he came then to the United States as a groom, not not kind of groom you guys are thinking of, not like bride, like I'm assuming that meant like horse groomer. Right. <laughs> At the age of 20 and then apprenticed himself to a top ranked Argentine polo player who taught him. Okay, okay. He rarely returned home, although friends say they believe he regularly sent money back to his family. Okay. So being in this nomadic polo circuit eventually led Susan and Roberto to cross paths in 1995 at Great Meadows Polo Club, somewhere that they both frequented for events and where they were both important members. Susan had actually pledged to build another polo field in her on her own property for club members to use. Oh, that's how they met. As for Roberto... Many members would say that he was a main, like a big main factor in attracting the crowds of 300 plus people every Friday night during the summer at the Great Meadows Polo Club. Watching polo games. I love them meet their games. His friends said he excelled at this fast moving game of arena polo, which is different apparently than the regular polo. It's because it's played in an enclosed enclosed outdoor arena about the size of a football field and other ones of fields are bigger. Okay. I forgot to look up how big. They're just huger. There's there's more room. So this takes a lot more skill, basically. Right. Okay. 
we're just thinking like you have a large area, but you have to contain it in the large area. It can't go like so far, but you almost like golf in a way. Okay. They're putting a whole bunch of different little fucking I know. sports into okay. just well, yeah, in I can't go too much into it because I, if I don't understand it, then I can't explain it. That's okay. I wonder if all the sports came from this one polo and they just broke it down. Okay, so this part is going to be golf and this part is going to be this and this part is going to be that. Do you know what I mean? Maybe. I don't know. Okay, go ahead. I don't know. <laughs> I don't question those things. I'm just curious. Mainly because it's sports. <laughs> um, so, anyway, they said that he was kind of like a main draw for that. He excelled at it. I quote he was the star of best arena player said richard barge the club's president so it was easy to also see why then susan was attracted to roberto wiry and compact like most good polo players so that's a characteristic of most of them is wiry wiry and compact like long oh okay whatever um he also had thick green muscle forearms dark hair then dipped over his forehead he had a wide warm grin that seemed to touch his ears so he's like that typical, I'd say tall, but I don't think he was that tall. Um, dark skin, dark hair, and handsome feller. Feller. Nice. And okay. he, you know, rides a horse. Right. And she likes horses. So he captivated her. Well, mm-hmm. and he was just a snit with her. Oh, snit. So, um, they, Roberto actually met Susan while he was playing for another team or when he had a different. Um, sponsor or patron and Susan herself was just learning the game at this point so they dated for a while and then in 1996 so the next year Susan decided to actually form her own team you like it's I think funding that many players becoming Roberto's drone supporting him financially so that's how that happened so she said, Dad, Dad, I have a crush. I have a big crush, and I want this guy, so I need a happy But you also put, if you remember, at the same time, the farm that her and her sister lived on, it was a horse farm where people did, like, um, yeah, but have their horses. They got paid. They paid her to do that. Okay. So, but she did have money backing her name. Yeah. So, yes, I'm sure there was something going on. But, sorry. Either way. <laughs> um, Susan and Roberto were supposedly planned someday to get married and have children, said his best friend, Omar Cepeda, 33, also an Argentine professional player. He had big plans with her. Roberto was smitten with the odd, aloof, and peculiar Harris. They called her Harris. Well, for example, um, she was often scorned by her wealthy neighbors as she was infamously frugal. Like, frugal. Oh, yeah. For example, local farmers complained that she haggled over a $5,000 horse offering only $500, <laughs> despite her immense wealth. So she was very stingy, like really like bad stingy. Not good. Like, don't flaunt your wealth at the same time, like you've got plenty. Don't, don't offer $500 for a $5,000 horse. Right. Like that's just, that's just. Not. That's just insulting, honestly. Yeah. That'd be like going in and offering $10 for a Van Gogh painting. Insulting. Beyond insulting. It's terrible. Um, this next part here, was it was kind of confusing in the different sources that I used. 
because some say that Roberto moved in with Susan at this time period, while other sources say that she refused to let him move in and instead had him rent a room with a nearby neighbor while she herself lived alone in a small cottage on the farm. Hmm. So I, I couldn't quite get a clear understanding. Like, did he move in with her? Not either way. That passed, so that's that. Susan, that's that situation. But either way, after Roberto came to her estate, so to speak, um, or farm, he sold her his horse trailer and the half a dozen or so polo ponies that he had accumulated. And in that, win- in that winter time, he actually skipped his usual tour in Florida to stay with her, oh. Virginia. So now he's not doing his and this, fashion. This is, yep, this is going to start causing some problems. Yeah. In the beginning of the relationship, as is the case with many relationships, because why stay in one if this doesn't happen? You got along well. Right. Spent time together. They rode their horses, etc. Life was good. They mm-hmm. found their matches. Uh, Roberto had been on a path to significant fame and success as a polo star. However, his career started to decline. Because he, because he was distracted by Susan. Mm. And not just by Susan, but about the work that he was having to do around the farm. <sighs> so Susan would assign him with work tasks around the farm. And his <sighs> task had this attracted from his polo cream. And because she basically bought because, him. Yeah, well, that and then, like, one of the reasons that he did so much work around the farm is because she refused to hire farmhands. Oh, my God. What was her deal? I don't know. Spoiled as fuck? Control? What else do I think? She's one of those evil bitches. So they spoil, like, that would just hire, like, farmhands and stuff like crazy. Yeah, I don't want to do it. But I think it's the control thing. I really do. Like, she just wanted to make sure she had control over everything. So I'm going to have this farm, and people are going to go ahead and bring their animals to me to get taken care of, but I'm not going to hire anybody to take care of them, and I'm not going to do it myself. She did it herself for a little bit, but once she had somebody else there, then she... Oh, yay. Aren't you fucking glorious? Needless to say, this began to cause some cracks. Cracks to appear in this relationship. Right. The couple would argue argue bitterly about the polo pony training. This ties back into what you were saying. And the way they were treated more as work animals than pets, which was horrifying to animal-loving Susan. So Roberto obviously had a different um, mentality. He didn't necessarily see them as work animals, but he didn't see them as pets either. While she saw them as she treated like pets. Right. And so there's friction, an obvious friction there because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. He has to train the horse too. And his culture isn't about like pampering. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also disagreements about money. Uh, Roberto, like I said, worked on the farm all the time because she did not hire any caretakers, but he was never paid for his labor due to her stinginess. <laughs> so he stopped sending money to his family. Well, that, and he didn't have his own money for anything. So as a result, he was constantly short of money, even though Susan, his girlfriend, had more than enough money. Right. So that would, of course, cause So she wasn't paying him, and she wasn't giving him. She just wanted him to work for free. So, oh. That's why, like, I can't figure out if he was actually living there or not. You would think that he'd be living there. Right. At least. But. So this woman, he was 
her play toy a thing. Um, Until he wasn't. Right. Because he died, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Soon, however, Roberto began to explode in anger over Susan's tendiness, adding fuel to the fire. And to Roberto's horror, Susan began to talk about retiring all the pony... Pony ponies? This is a polo pony. Pony ponies. Instead of polo ponies. Oh. Uh. Retiring all the pony ponies. Oh, wow. Sorry. Retiring all the polo ponies. <gasps> which obviously to him is like, uh, that's this- my literal livelihood right there. Right. And retire them. She decided that if she removed the horses from the competition, the abuse she thought they were enduring would stop. But without his ponies, he could not compete in the sport to which he had dedicated his life. He would be washed up with declining opportunities with other sponsors at his age. He would be nothing. So at this point, he's uh, probably around 37. But he's getting up there in age for doing like the kind of activity. I mean, it still takes, you still have to physically fit in order to do this, just like a jockey would for horses. Right. So it's like the older you get, the less opportunities. And now they're even less. He, she's talking about retiring. It's only Right. And on top of that, he isn't going to as many competitions, so he's not being mm-hmm. seen. And so his life is basically declining on what? Yeah. There's yeah, their future, nothing. Not, it's yeah, it's not like his you. life is a whole lot better. Right. But during the summer of 1997... Susan actually traveled to Europe for 10 days to visit her critically ill father who was still living there. While there, rumors spread that her boyfriend back home entertained other women Mm. and that he had taken them to her her home. However, this wasn't really a secret as he was kind of known as a playboy. He flirted with other women every chance he could. She kind of knew this. And because she knew this, she then soon became sexually indifferent towards him and eventually refused to have sex with him at all. Hey. It's not a spite. Right? It's just spoiled. It's not like she's mad that he's cheating. She's just spite. Right. That's all it is because she... Yeah. It's games. It's all about mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, she successfully began to alienate him from the polo community. And it would seem that she was also using the withholding of money as means. Mm-hmm. So, That's what she yeah for fucking dating a fucking heiress. Ah, uh, yeah. Wow. They're off dating her sister. I guarantee it. Uh, the fun one. <laughs> the fun one's probably being fun what? and not. Being... And she she lives on the farm too. Oh, and somewhere. But it's a pretty big farm. Okay. So she may have her own cottage somewhere. Right. Overdone yeah. away. So just before nine a.m. on September seventh, the relationship hit a boiling point. Evening, with Susan shooting Roberto to death in her kitchen. Her upbringing with an artist dealer father had her very comfortable with her 9mm automatic. Just say, yeah, let's not piss that's out. A, that's a thing that you keep with all your pots and pans and knives and other kitchen utensils. Right, okay. She then called 911 and softly told the dispatcher, quote, I need to report a shot man and he's dead. Oh. Once 911 was called, the police arrived quickly at the bloody scene. Almost immediately, the facts of the case became very murky, as it was a matter of he said, she said, and he's dead. <laughs> right? I like it. Because <laughs> more like a she said, she said. <laughs> right? Luckily, 
something like crazy said crazy something said. seems a little off susan admitted she shot and killed roberto because he was in a pure rage and had attacked her slashing her arm with his knife oh okay but she did have some knife marks on her but we'll get to that but it was noticed that she was strangely detached at the murder scene but still she insisted that her life had been threatened the prosecution team believed Roberto was seated at Susan's kitchen table, not attacking anyone. He seemed surprised by the first bullets. Police reported that there were still particles of croissant in his mouth. He also <laughs> had been drinking coffee at the time of this murder. None of these seems to be pointing towards someone who had actively been attacking another person. No. He was sitting down and eating a croissant. 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 I love I thought if I ate the croissants, I wouldn't gain as much weight because they were light. Turns out they're the fattiest of them all. Yeah, they are, but they're so good. Yeah. The fried croissants. You have to get the right weight. Yes, I do. We have a store here that has croissants and they put like a cheerful fried croissant on them. But you have to get there like right when they open in the morning. Oh, yeah, dude. They're so good. Oh, my God. We were scrambling. <laughs> so, um, her family, of course, hired the best criminal defense attorney money could buy, which was attorney Blair Howard, previously famous for defending Lorena Bobbitt, who uh, may have or may not have cut. No, she definitely cut off her husband's penis. Yeah. She um, that penis is no longer going to be attached to your body, Mr. I'm pretty sure she was acquitted. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he probably deserted, though, didn't he? He did. All right. I don't yeah, know if he was a prick. I feel like Roberto, maybe maybe he didn't. He didn't quite deserve it. I don't think so. But I don't know yet. So he, it was more anything well, though. Yeah. But, so his so her attorney refuted the claims of, of him eating breakfast when he was shot. Because, he said during the trial, quote, the forensic pathologist reported the polo player's oral cavity was empty. <laughs> No. Yeah. So it's like apparently between, but I don't know, stuff shifts around when you're moving a body could have fallen out. Right. So how do they know that there was a croissant in his mouth? Because the police said they saw it. Oh. When they got there. Oh, so from the time it got to A to B, then it was gone. Okay. Yeah. Well, makes sense. I mean, yep. shifty bodies. Yep. Gotcha. During Susan's trial, her defense would paint the. Now, this calls her. Her birth date was also, her birthday was also kind of disputed in here. As two different dates. It was, it, it's a weird thing. And so while you would think that they would be the same age, they're not. One was born at midnight and the no, other... No, no, no. I mean, like, between her and um, Roberto. Oh. They were both born in 1959, but he was 38, and they say that she's 35. Because in another source I read, they had her birth date as this, like, the date I gave earlier, but it's also been recorded as a different date. Okay. Rich people. I days, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I don't even that. know. That's like literally the only information. I was like, what? Okay. Weird. Needed. Okay. Cool. So it says that they would paint the 35-year-old international arms heiress as a woman who acted out of a rational fear that her life was in danger as Roberto once at her with a knife. Witnesses will testify that Roberto was abusive. Hmm. Apparently. Susan had also told authorities two weeks before the shooting that Roberto, 38 years old, had threatened her. 
So that's why she shot him. In defense of, um, when she shot him, she acted, quote, in defense of her castle, end quote, said her lawyer, Blair Howard, quote, in Virginia, if you are violently attacked in your own home and your life is in danger, you do not need to retreat, end quote. Ask whether Susan had been physically assaulted by Roberto before that day, prior to this happening. Howard declined that answer, but said, quote, there is no question that he threatened her directly and in front of people. I think there was a lot of psychological abuse, end quote. So he refused to directly answer that question, but kind of skirted around it, which I think we can all take to mean that like there was no physical altercation before this one. Um, Howard very well may have been counting on the fact that Virginia's laws on self-defense make that strategy one of the most effective ways to fight a murder charge, that um, defense thing. Okay. For example, two years prior to that, a Loudoun County jury acquitted Leesburg resident Robert G. Lorenz, who argued he acted to protect himself when he shot his drunk but unarmed neighbor on his porch. Ugh. Virginia. Too new. I don't know. <laughs> Back in the 80s, 90s. 80s, 90s. 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 You, when you said 97, I thought, oh my God, so that was just recently. Right. But it yeah, wasn't just recently. Then somebody said something happened in the 2000s. I'm like, oh, so that wasn't that long ago. And then I'm like, oh crap, that was 20 something years ago. Hey, I am. Now I feel old. <laughs> oh. Banana. So. This defense that they can be using or whatever, um, basically, now the defense attorney is uh, Alex Levy. And he said basically everyone can relate to it. When you have a man and a woman, jurors are going to have some sympathy for a woman dealing with aggression. Which is, well, it should be. True. But this lady is why some people don't think seriously. Throwing it out there. Throwing it out there. <gasps> so under Virginia law, Howard needed to prove only that Susan had a reasonable apprehension of serious bodily harm, not that Roberto was about to kill her. So under this law, for him to prove that she acted in self-defense, he only had to prove that she had a reasonable apprehension of serious bodily harm, not that he was actually acting trying to Right, so how do they prove that she had the intent? Yeah, is, I mean, causing bodily harm. I mean, isn't that basically with that? Well, no, he, it's saying that, like, in order for her lawyer to say that she's innocent due to self-defense, the only thing he has to prove is that she felt her life was in danger. Okay. Not that Roberto was actually not stealer. Okay. It's, it's a weird type of Loophole. Okay. Wording. No law. Fucking just like the name of that town. Mm -hmm. However, for the strategy to work, defense lawyers have to prove with clear evidence to the jury that self-defense was the motive. Usually that means putting their clients on the stand. This is something that typically is very frowned upon in murder trials. Uh, you don't normally see the person that's being charged with murder on the stand. Usually a bad, it's a bad idea. It's the only time you do is when they're super cocky. And she's super cocky. I'm not sure if she's in this case. Not what she's got the fence going that she has for her. She's going to listen to the gurney. 
Right. But she does go on stand eventually. And yeah, we'll see how that works out. <laughs> um, a jury is going to want to hear how upset and frightened she was. Mm. Uh, perhaps the most compelling piece of evidence that was used is the statement Susan had filed with Fokker. 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 Fokker deputies. It's spelled with a Q U. Yeah. Not a C K. Fokker. Deputies two weeks before the shooting. In it, she described Roberto as overpowering, short-fused, and, quote, the crazy type, end quote. She wrote that she had tried to break up with him, but that he, quote, refuses to let go. In the last month, he has begun to show signs of aggression, Susan wrote. His words are, quote, I will put a bullet in your head and hang you upside down to let the blood pour on your bed. And quote. I didn't realize she was a poet there. Oh, man. Yeah. So apparently that was in the police report she had made two weeks prior to the shooting happening, mind you. Oh. Right. And here's the thing. You took away the man's career, his money, sex. I'd fucking want to shoot you and hang you and let your blood dry down onto the bed. You know what I mean? I really wouldn't do that, people. But, like, withholding sex is, like, it does something to your psyche. That was probably the camel that... Although it's not like he was... Doing it other races, right? So he wasn't too, but I mean, like, he worked his whole entire life in Argentina. Well, he was from Argentina, okay? Yeah, oh, yeah, he was from Argentina, yeah. And so, like, to the United States, he was like 20. Okay, but he started the horse and stuff in Argentina, like, this was his passion, Mm -hmm. and he dropped that because he thought there was love Mm -hmm. to work as a slave, basically. As I and can they parade argue. around next to you, and you treated him like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, I don't think he ever actually said that. Probably not. Well, probably not. But if he did, I'd see why. Mm-hmm. I mean, the heat of an argument. Yeah, probably have. But prosecutors would try to show Susan to be a jealous girlfriend and a calculating murderer. Huh. So, Assistant Commonwealth. Attorney Kevin Casey said autopsy reports indicate Roberto was shot as he sat at the kitchen table. He said he will, or, or he said he will. He argued that Susan only went to deputies before the shooting to set up her defense strategy. "Quote: I think the early involvement with the police was laying the groundwork for what she knew she might do later." Casey said. So. When, when he's talking about the autopsy report indicating that he was shot as this at the kitchen table, I didn't get totally, totally into it. But based on what little knowledge I have from CSI and listening to other true crime things, <laughs> one way that you are going to be able to tell whether or not he was moving towards her in a standing position or in a sitting position is obviously that angled bullet enters the body. Uh. So if you're standing above somebody and they're sitting down, it's really hard to make that angle look like they're coming straight towards you. I got you. Okay, okay. I'm going to assume that's what the autopsy is. Right. And let's also mention, like, the gun. Like, in the kitchen, like, if he's coming towards you, it just so happened that the gun just happened to be in a place that was right next to you. Well, I mean, her dad was an arms dealer. We made this common thing. No, I get having it in the kitchen, but ready to, like, you there's a process you can't just like pick it up and like you have to do stuff yep usually have to yep 
Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Casey, the assistant attorney, questions the motive or basically this whole state for the statement that she made to the police. Um, because he said that Susan also did not get a restraining order or put up no trespassing signs at her farm as deputies had advised her to do. Uh-huh. Instead, she scheduled another meeting with deputies for September 8th, conveniently the day after Roberto was killed. Why did she want a meeting with him? Who oh, no. knows? Just do that follow-up. Do her due diligence. Oh. But she didn't want to do the restraining order. She didn't want to put in her trespassing signs. Funny for somebody who's afraid of somebody to kill him. Just throwing it out there. Sign. Casey also said the physical evidence counters the belief that Susan acted in self-defense. Susan said she shot Roberto as he came at her with a knife using the gun she keeps loaded in the kitchen. But Casey said that can't be true if the bullets hit Roberto while he was at the kitchen table. Right. In addition, he said police found an empty holster and open boxes of ammunition in an upstairs bedroom, not the kitchen. So she loaded it and took it down there. And it had to have been recently. Right, because... Because you're not, yeah, yeah. You would, would it still be up and out around, you know? And you'd have the ammunition down in the kitchen if you always get the loading gun down there for some reason, not up in the bedroom with the holster. Right. Oh, the holster. So she got it from someplace completely different. Okay. It was somewhere in that house, I guarantee it. But it, holster. it came out of a holster. And... Right. It, you know, if it was in the kitchen, it would have been in the holster still. And you would think so. Right. Which along with the bolts. Right, which means she would have had to have time if he was coming at her to go get the gun, mm-hmm. unholster it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just be able to pull it out and so shoot. Yeah. yeah. Um, in Casey's theory, Susan was a jealous lover who wanted complete control over Yeah. Going back to what I said about the control thing. Um, despite the evidence that the prosecutor had against Susan, including the testimony of a pathologist who said the cuts on her arm that she claimed she had gotten from Roberto are consistent with wounds that have been self-inflicted. Oh! The 12 to 14 scratches on Susan's left biceps were shallow, clustered, and parallel to each other. Jack Daniel, a former state medical examiner who now works as a consultant, told the Fokker Circuit Court jury, although it is possible they were inflicted by someone trying to torture or frighten Susan, it seemed unlikely, Daniel said in response to the questioning. Huh. But this testimony about the cuts and other physical evidence was used to build a case that the 35-year-old defendant shot Roberto while he sat at the kitchen table, then delayed calling 911 while she cut herself and um, altered the crime scene to make it appear that he had wounded her. Wow. So when they're saying, like, the the... Cuts were shallow, obviously, because you know, to yourself, they're going to be shallow, clustered, which means they're close together because you only have so much space to, uh, what do I want to say? So maneuverability with your, like, hand, and then when they're parallel to each other, they're, like, they're not all over the place, kind of, like, in a row. Right. They're still, if you're fighting with somebody, they're going to be not parallel. Right. They're not going to. They're not going to be, like, this little, like, and it's not like, yeah, it's like, not, hey, hey. Hey, she would have had to be yeah. standing there. Like, go ahead. I'm yeah. not fighting you. Exactly. What does it look like when, does it say like what it would have looked like if? If she had actually been fighting him? Yeah. I don't know that. Okay. On the top of my head, I'm sure I can look up a case that would tell me. Well, I'm sure that it's not pretty if somebody's coming after you with a kitchen knife. Right. If you don't have a gun. 
And apparently at that point, she must not have because he got a few of the cuts in. Right. <laughs> However, despite all the evidence at hand, including some blood evidence and some other gun evidence that if I went over it, we'd be hitting another two-hour episode. No, it's not doing that to you guys again. Okay. I think you know enough right now. <laughs> I think we all pretty much know where our opinions stand. Um, Susan's well-known criminal defense attorney successfully reduced Susan's charges from murder to manslaughter based on her claims of self-defense. Susan's legal defense team did a great job, unfortunately, with her case. And in 1998, Susan was convicted by a jury of eight women and four men of voluntary manslaughter for killing her Argentine polo plane lover. Raise. Hmm? Not hard. The same jury... You're going to love this part. Mm. Sentenced her to just 60 days in jail. For the murder? Well, it was reduced down to a voluntary manslaughter. Partially accepting her argument that she acted with justification. (laughs) On a regular manslaughter conviction, she was actually facing 10 years. They gave her 60 days and a $2,500 fine. Her reaction to this was, I feel very happy. (laughs) Oh, I bet you do, bitch. So she's running around free right now. I hope she hears this podcast. (laughs) Susan accepted her guilty verdict and jail sentence. No shit. Right. The family of the slain polo player wasn't happy with her judgment. No, not at all. Because you want to know what, like, what? She went to jail and it was probably, like, cozy. Then somebody brought her food every day. Oh, are you about to tell me some Martha Stewart shit right now? Okay, let's hear it. We might get there. Oh, wow. Um, however, though, I will tell you that with time off for good behavior, she served just 51 days. Oh, yeah. Uh, her jail time generated significant controversy. She had exceptional jail accommodations. Her stay in confinement was irregular. Mm-hmm. Susan's great wealth was explained as the reason for her VIP jail treatment. You think? Mm-hmm. However, after her release, her worst country neighbors did not try to hide their hatred of her. Oh, good. Many in Bakker County held her in contempt. They believed she shot her lover in cold blood. It was rumored she had grown tired of Roberto and couldn't figure out how to dump him. Oh, wow. Uh, Roberto's mother and his sister filed a $103 million wrongful death suit against Susan. Um, they claimed, you know, that it caused mental anguish and financial loss. And this is when somebody named Justin Bonnell steps in, who's actually um, the son of one of Roberto's former girlfriends. And so he stepped in to sue and claim all the rights to his late father's estate. Okay. That's just a weird thing. But he was named the sole beneficiary of his estate. Um, the family argued they had great long-term financial potential if he hadn't been killed. And they finally filed or Bonnell filed a 50, $15.35 million civil suit against Susan. The suit was for a wrongful death of his father. Okay. Pause a second. Mm-hmm. So the guy who died, Roberto, mm-hmm. his, son his son was saying like, if my father wouldn't have wouldn't have died. They had um, potential for financial. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Long term financial, whatever. Long term financial potential. If you end. So he was divorced. It was just a girlfriend he had that had a son. I don't even okay. think that the family knew about the son until they came until they filed this stuff, and then he kind of like it was like hello. Oh, okay, out of the woods, sort of. 
Um, a judge ruled in the boy's favor. The millionaire heiress reached a settlement with the Bonnell family. Lawyers for both parties agreed not to disclose the amount of the payment, but the figure was estimated to be in the range of $140,000. That's all? Yeah. Okay, go on. In 2004, <laughs> Suzanne and Deanna sold a 340-acre farm for four four. four Point nine million dollars. So they sold that because nobody wanted them around. Yeah, and then they moved to a four hundred and fifty acre farm in Culpeper County, Virginia. It was purchased by the sisters again. The media continued to feature the case for a few years after the shooting, but since moving away from Ashland Farm. Susan and Deanna Cummings completely faded away. So basically, we've no idea. I don't know where they are now. And nothing on that. Their dad was probably like you. Well, the dad passed. Yeah. I mean, like... But, and so when they talk about the demeanor and how Roberto acted, it was never aggressive. It was never, like... No, all of his friends said he was always very happy. He was always good. And he... he um was very good with the horses. He never got upset or mad with the horses and never whipped and never mistreated them. Like, nothing. There was nothing in his character that would even show that type of love. So she shot him just because she could not figure out how to get rid of him. Right. I mean, or break up with him. All That's all she had. And so she just wanted to break up with him and instead of fucking saying, hey, I'll throw this is work it, she had to have that control. Oh, she needed to be in control of how it ended, when it ended, and it ended on her term. And which is she, why she went to the police beforehand and tried to claim that he was this violent guy because that backed up her self-defense claim. Because she was a spoiled brat who wasn't getting what she wanted. Which I don't even know what she wanted, honestly. Another had a guy. Or is she even attractive? Have you seen pictures of this female? I mean, like, for the, whatever, 1990, like, she wasn't hideous, no. Okay, because I, I pictured her as, like, a cat lady. No. But for horses. Horses? <laughs> No, and I mean, he was a good-looking guy, too, so it's like, I'm not, I think it was just, like, the fights because of her stinginess with money, mm -hmm. because of him having to do all his work and not being able to train like he wanted, well, like he wanted to, and then her problem with, with the polo ponies in general, you know, and for some reason she couldn't figure out how to get him out of her farm. Right. Were you basically, like, trapped in there? I know. So, I guess, like... So this is one, like, this is definitely that case of self-defense, but with that caveat of provoking him. So let's say, because nobody really knows what happened that morning, right? Other than he was sitting down at the table. But either way, she did enough and fought enough with him and et cetera, et cetera, that other people have heard them fighting like I think her sister testified that she had heard them fighting before because she lives on the farm with them and a couple of other people had heard them fighting at like a polo match or something and so she that ground was kind of set and so there was enough prov provocation there provo enough for her to say you attacked her mm -hmm. so that's what right. provocation she was just done playing with her toy and wanted him to go but wait a minute, bitch. When you have, okay, a human, not any of your other things, and they readjust their entire life for you, there's going to be some kind of resistance. Like, what the fuck? 
But yeah, well, and I think she, she obviously she surprised him with this whole thing because he was eating a croissant. Right. And drinking coffee. And not only that, for all we know, he said that he wanted out and she wanted to end it on her terms because she has to be in control. Right. I think, like, there's a little bit of truth to both of it. I think, you what know, the, like, there's three sides to every story, you know, their truth, their, or their story, their story. And the truth. Right. Like, yeah. maybe she did want him to go. Maybe he did want to go, but he couldn't go because he no longer had a fucking career. Like, which could be true, but I think that if he gone back to the community the polo community and i i don't know i think was it excluding him though yeah but i think he could have gotten back on his feet considering how big the staple he was right and i think that he maybe wanted to leave and she decided you're not going to on your terms you're going to on mine right and there's stubbornness i bet i have a feeling it went like i'm gonna leave but you're gonna give me what's owed to me like, I was oh, working my ass off, and she was like, I'm not giving you shit. And he's like, the fuck if you aren't. And she's like, the fuck if I'm not, boom. Pretty much. She shot him four times. She seems like a little bit of a little help. Right. Which, for somebody who was raised by a guy and raised around guns, you could have shot him once someplace and, like, but then, made, but then she might not have been able to claim self-defense. Yeah, but I think she still would have. Well, no, what I'm saying is, like, if it played out, like, he was going to attack her, and she was just trying to defend herself, she knows enough about guns and how to shoot. She could have shot him to the point where he wasn't coming at her and left it at that, but she just kept on going. Well, that's because she wanted him dead. Well, yeah. But, yes, I get what you mean, but she obviously didn't know enough about guns to know the angles, uh, blood coagulation, etc., yeah, which is the part that I did not include in this, just because it was already getting long. But there was some evidence of that stuff that disproved kind of her timeline. But when you have an attorney and money, guess what happens in this country? You get away with murder, and you only have to serve fifty-one days and pay a twenty-five hundred dollar fine. Oh, is that um, speaking of those fifty-one days? That leads us right into this. I'm in because if you remember, I did say that uh, it wasn't exactly hard time. Yeah, the VIP treatment. Um, before she got there for her 60 days, they actually uh, cleared out the women's cell block of this prison. The whole entire cell block for her. I feel like I remember that. Um, the door-style room had its own telephone. Um, they transferred five prisoners to jails in neighboring communities at an estimated cost to Fokker taxpayers of $40 per person per day out of concern for Susan's safety. <laughs> they feared that Susan's white sentence might lead to friction with other inmates serving longer sentences for lesser crimes, you think? Uh, weird. So once she was inside the jail, her rules were relaxed even more. They're generally only allowed, uh, they're generally are allowed no more than three visitors no more than a total of 30 minutes and only on weekends. She, though, was permitted to entertain multiple visitors for hours each day. <laughs> and you just give her fucking house arrest. You know, right? And all the other prisoners may not may eat only jail food. Susan has been permitted to snack on sandwiches and cookies brought in by her mother and her... Oh, well... Isn't that just grand... Um, uh, yeah, 
somebody's uh the chairman of the popular board of supervisors said he understood the decision to isolate susan but that he was dismayed to hear of her other privileges that's not right he said she should be treated like other prisoners yeah well yeah and what's funny is like the jury could have recommended 60 days but the judge yeah i'm not sure well it depends. It group. And different states have different laws. Some some states a judge can overturn a sentence if they feel like it is not harsh enough or it is too harsh. Mm-hmm. And in some states they can't. It's a no go. Yep. And then as far as how she was treated in jail, that was kind of left up to the uh, jailer. Yeah, like sheriff uh, sheriff Higgs apparently. And they she was a comment from yeah, who knows. So the prisoners that were obviously moved were not very happy. <laughs> no, no, they weren't. Um, some people were real mad when they heard about her sentence, but no one would have done anything. As Ted Kimberly Anderson, who had 11 weeks left on an 11, she had 11 weeks left on an 11 month sentence for forgery and credit card theft. Mm. So this gal, they served 11 months on forgery and credit card theft, which both are bad, too. Don't do that. There is more time than somebody who killed somebody. Everybody was probably scared to fucking sentence her because I don't know what her dad could have done. Nothing. I think her dad was, well, I hadn't passed away. That's, they can't do nothing. It's just her lawyer was that good. Probably a lot of words out. Yeah, but the sentencing, though. I know. But that was the, that was what the jury said. That's what I was saying. They probably, because at that point, everybody knew who they were, and you never know. This heiress could have made your life hell. Well, and, um, and that's where um, I'm going I'm to leave this last little part here, where it's the county board chairman said he was somewhat mystified by, the, by Susan's case. It's a strange sentence in the first place, he said. When somebody gets 60 days for shooting someone and five years for writing bad checks, it makes you wonder about the influence that wealth has on our judicial in small towns. I mean, anywhere anymore. Well, yeah, there's that. So that is the case of Susan. And level four, definitely, definitely trying to use self-defense while provoking. I mean, she caused a lot that uh, friction. Animosity and friction and stuff. That's fucking antagonizing. And unfortunately, they just weren't able to have enough evidence, physical evidence or otherwise, to prove that she had it premeditated. That's fucking... Yeah, 51 days. $2,500 fine. Nobody knows. I don't know where she is in her room. Doesn't never really said. And I didn't have much other back, much more background on either of their wives before they really met. Either from what I saw, I was trying not to do it like you know three hour thing again. <laughs> well, it was a good one. That was that case this time. Thank you, thank you very much, Kendra. Mm-hmm. Our next time we will be covering uh, level. Five, which if I had anything prepared, I would have it pulled up and I would tell you what it is. I know. But we but but we don't, so I am gonna tell you this. We have listeners, at least last time I checked our analytics, assuming that they are correct. How many advice do you need? Oh, I have it. Hold on, pause. I've got I've got it right here. 
Is it that thing that you sent me last night? Yes. Okay. Hold the phone, Frankie. Ooh, ooh. It's different movies. Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, ting, wallow, bing, bang. I'm almost there. Nope, that's not that. Mm -hmm. Just about there. And you better not find it before me because I'm already fingers deep into this thing right here. Oh, that and I don't get dirty. It's so did, but it popped and I had to keep on going with it. <laughs> yep, I'm scrolling with my thumb. That's the fingers. We're not that kind of podcast. Here we are. I'll let you. There you go. So, okay, 45 states. So we have 45 states that are listening to us right now. So... Whoever is out there in those five states probably isn't listening to us still. Probably not. You should. Guess this me. Wait, we must. I don't even know which five states is. I haven't gotten that far yet. Oh, there we go. So we've had that. Um, next week or not next week? Next time I'm arriving to say it. I don't even know. Is level five, which is traumatized, desperate persons who kill relatives or others yet have remorse. Lord, unlike Susan. I would say that would be like a lot who is being abused. Yes. Something like that. Or no. Yes. Just um in general other I mean I think I have one or wait. I'm trying to remember I'm, I'm not gonna Yeah please don't. I don't would want us to do that. However I am gonna end on a funnier note because I do know what states are listening to us. I picked the top. Well, oh, why Something like that. Okay. Then I've lost it again. Should no. find it. I have. I even have everything labeled on my tape on my computer, and I still can't find anything when I need it. I could seriously. What the heck is going on in my life? Oh, loss of things. Now, um. You know, I was going to try to, like, talk about something clever or something, you know, to okay. pass the time. I got it. I couldn't think. Yep. You fucking Jesus. <laughs> okay, so. um, The top states that I did pick were Nebraska, Texas, Virginia, Kansas, Iowa, Georgia, California, Pennsylvania, and Montana. I believe it was Boston. Sorry, no. Montana, Tennessee, and New Jersey. Now, each one of these states I found something interesting about. They have laws, currently, that don't make sense for <laughs> this day and age. And these are actual laws still, because they have a site that they like, check them every year to see if it's still a state. Uh, for example, in Nebraska, according to Nebraska law, and I actually looked this one up on the Nebraska government website, no person who is afflicted with a sexually transmitted disease can marry. What if they do marry? Grounds for divorce and annulment. Apparently, back in the day, I'm yeah, not really sure how they test for that, but apparently in Nebraska, you guys, if that has sexually transmitted disease, which, according to anything I've heard, about twenty-five percent of us do. <laughs> I know it's more than that. No, whatever. You know, have uh, some kind of HPV. Wow. Basically, if you're sexually active, you have Nice. And you can't get married. Yep. Lucky. If you do, you're going to jail. Fun statistic. That's there, too. <laughs> if you're trying to get out of being married, just let them know you got a vag problem. Yeah, pretty much. Just be like, oh, I got to get this annulled because of um, 
others' issues down there. I had herpes before we engaged in this, or I'm sorry, I can't marry you, but yeah, I had herpes. <gasps> that would be great. <laughs> Not to have herpes, but you're like, oh, there's your excuse. It's illegal for me to marry you right now. I'm sorry. People are going to hear this. That'd be a great way to turn down, like, a proposal that you did not, like, no. That's what I'll be like, I have herpes. <laughs> I wonder how many people are going to all of a sudden have herpes in the state after hearing this. <laughs> on the news, herpes. I can't even do the word. Oh, my God. That's just herpes. great. Yes. Next is a Texas. Okay. Um, people running, wishing to run for office must acknowledge the, quote, supreme being, quote, unquote. If not, they could be subjected to religious. They are very, oh, but I'm not going to say anything bad about you guys. You're like, see, Right. So, like, the supreme being, when I hear that, I think of not Jesus, but... I know. I think of, like, cult-like or something. But, yeah, I'm assuming so, but they have it actually worded as, quote, supreme being. Okay. All right. You guys are pretty, like... Then we have Virginia. Virginia is for lovers. But fornication among unmarried people is banned in the state. So all you Virginians who better be virgins, right, unless you're married... Right, or you gotta go. They're giving you yep. the boot. You're banned, banned in that state. Sorry, all the states around you, you're gonna get a lot of influx. Non virgin Virginians. Is that what you guys call yourself first Virginian? That sounds good. That sounds right. Kansas. Don't plan on having a drink with dinner in Kansas. It's illegal in over 25 counties to, counties to sell liquor by the glass. Apparently, you have to have a whole bottle or nothing. They can't even dump it into a glass. Apparently not. Nice. So I'm not sure how that works out. Kansas, let us know. I mean, Kansas. Kansas, Kansas, let us know how that's working out for you guys. Are you guys okay down there? Right. Are you all right? Like, y'all having like a whole fifth of vodka with your meal? Yeah, and she can up there. So she goes to... Now I got Iowa. All right. Butter. It's taken very seriously in Iowa, apparently. Okay. It is a misdemeanor to present margarine as real butter. <laughs> so all those can't believe it's not butter people, don't you be trying to pass that off as real butter in Iowa. You'll get a misdemeanor for that shit. What's up? <laughs> I wanted not Iowa of all places. That's poor. But okay. You want to know how that went down? Like... Susie got invited to a fancy party, right? And she brought the wrong butter and said it was this butter. And that guy was like, uh-uh. That's not butter, that's margarine. Called the fucking cops, had her fucking hung. Back in the, like, 19th... A misdemeanor was hung? Oh, my God. I mean, like, I don't fucking know, but that's a great... Yeah, don't be passing off no margarine is real. But, I mean, as long as you're upfront about it being margarine, you're okay don't you be calm. Don't you be pulling that. Can't believe it's on butter shit. Right. Don't you fake or baker me. Uh, all right. Uh, Georgia. Many people may want to pet or otherwise engage with llamas at fairs. However, you must be careful in Georgia because people are responsible for llama-related injuries that occur from engaging with the animals. So, in other words, the animal is not responsible for biting you. You are responsible for the animal biting you. Well, legit, yeah, it makes sense. Llamas are really pissy. 
yeah, I don't like it goes to what I was talking about earlier on my tangent where it's kind of like a fucking moron. I don't think anybody's trying to train a llama too much. No, I'm, you know, I was, That's I went from one. training to fucking in general yeah. anything. Don't fuck with an animal. Don't, like, any of them. I think camels too because they're, it's terrible. Like, it, we walk up that. in their shit and they're going to fucking attend. Literally in their shit. Ah, uh, yeah. all right, all right. California. Oh, great. While you may never have heard of frog jumping contests, California takes them very seriously. If a frog dies during one of these competitions, it may not be, may not be eaten and must be, quote, destroyed as quickly as possible. I actually looked that one. Do they have a disease when they die? No. It's just if they have a frog that dies during one of these jumping competitions, they can't eat them. And they got, they have to be destroyed as quickly as possible. Not like buried, but destroyed. Like, I don't know what that really means. All they had was destroyed. And... I heard that. I'm going to be looking some shit up. Go on. Pennsylvania. Although there are many laws against human trafficking and to protect children, Pennsylvania clarifies illegal to barter a baby. Apparently they had to add a, like an extra thing in there that you can't barter your baby for something. Oh, I like your recliner. I'm giving you my baby for it. Oh my fuck. I don't know what you guys are doing down there in Pennsylvania. <laughs> but let's not be bartering babies for recliners. Like, it's illegal. It's illegal. Yeah. Should we do with that? It's not just frowned upon. It's illegal. Like, bitch. illegal. Yeah. Oh my like, create the moral aspects of it. Also, oh my god. Montana. Pet rats are illegal in Montana. Rats can only be purchased to feed birds of prey or reptiles. Right? Don't tell that to my sister. That is that rat. Tennessee. <laughs> While Netflix is making password sharing more difficult, it is probably less of a problem in Tennessee. The state makes it illegal to share your Netflix password with another person already. I don't know how they do that. Probably the same way as Montana somehow uh, banned it. Oh, the fuck? Yeah, I know. I still got to look that up to see how they got that figured out. Ellen. New Jersey. A person wearing a bulletproof vest while carrying out a grave criminal act can be charged separately for suiting up. Which is basically just more jail and fines. So basically, if you're going to commit a grave criminal act, like robbing a bank or killing somebody, don't Wear a bulletproof vest or you'll get additional charges. Yeah. Just so you know. Right? Like, I get that. Like, you're protecting yourself. I know, but I've never heard of that. I know. So those are the top, what, like 10 or 11 right. states that are listening to us. I got, there's a couple of little ones I gotta read. And so. I gotta really tell you this in my mind, but I don't know what the states are. That's crazy that you did that and I knew some places so there's a state out there <laughs> that it is illegal to have sex with an animal unless for profit. Which I feel should be illegal everywhere. And it's right. an unwritten illegal. Wait, like, I, I, well, who the fuck is having sex with an animal for money? I told you. And who wants to see that? People do. And why is it okay for that? Like, it's, it's, not, it's like, what the fuck? That's on some human level. Like, what the fuck? Okay, so, and then there's a state where you, it is illegal 
to have sex in a vehicle that has flat tires and the fine is doubled when you're in the back seat. I'm just saying all of the tires that I have are like, you know, aired up so I could be fucking all day long in that state in my car. I'm just saying if anybody roll up on me when that happened, I'd be like, I'm waiting for the tow truck. What do you want me to do? Ryan got to pass my time. time. Right? Falling or almost dead. It's cold. Or the greatest. It is illegal for a woman to stand in front of a picture of her husband then while naked after fornicating. <laughs> but that's, that's just freaking weird to begin with. Like, I mean, that's, that should be both that, that should be illegal. I feel like, and the reason for a divorce. Right. So I feel like what happened then, it was like 1904. And they thought it was like putting a curse on. No, no. Some lady just got finished fucking, right? And somebody gandered through the window seen her got freaked out went to the fucking whatever and she was like i just got finished and so they had to make it a fucking oh, you know that's how most of these things happen there's something fucking stupid yeah, like some that. Are still here's here's a few other ones okay in alabama it is illegal on top of being a bad idea to carry an ice cream cone in your back pocket it's illegal to carry a, an ice cream cone in your back, back pocket. pocket okay that's cool colorado Colorado, I, I commend you for this one because I would like to meet a person who, who made this law happen or made the reason for this law. Colorado makes it illegal to modify the weather without a permit. Yeah, what's up with that? So we're wondering, does that mean modifying the actual weather or the weather forecast or what? Because if you can modify the weather, you can just come to another state and do it. We don't need, you don't need a permit. Here, no, you can just make it just, yep. cooler. That would be awesome. Or no snow, I that'd be even awesomer. Like if we can have Hawaii or California weather, just really kind of like chilling, not too hot, not yeah. too cold. Like that'd be fucking awesome. So whoever made them come up with that wall, still around, yo. And if we are modifying the weather, is there even such thing? Oh, jeez, we're not getting there. I'm just fucking saying, people. Florida. <laughs> people who own bars restaurants and other places where liquor is sold may be fined up to one thousand dollars if they participate in participate in or permit any contest of quote dwarf tossing only florida dude like florida like all you gotta be is like ah Florida, they got to make up a law about dwarf tossing. First of all, we don't use the word dwarf in general. Second of all, like, they actually had to make up a law that they would find them for people to rally around on the street, making up doors that fucking throw. No, but the thing is, these, these are people who own bars, restaurants, and they participate in or permit any contest. Oh, dwarf busting. Oh my god. Florida, what's going on? I'm honestly curious about that part. Okay, I got one more. They're into things. It can't really beat Florida, but it's still, you know, Idaho. It shouldn't need to be said, but uh, cannibalism is a bad idea. In Idaho, it is even punishable by up to 14 years in prison. Oh, that's all? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you could just shoot somebody and send it get 51 days. Right. I mean, less now. But if you're hungry, hungry man, like, that's just, 
like ever did or stop saying thank you kendra we all did a two-hour fucking thing on fighting no what my gun anyway um you can find us on any of the socials and you can look down the show notes there will be a link to our link tree and that will actually take you to all of the other links you could ever possibly need including buy me a coffee which you can donate to us keep us on the air so to speak um doors um i will be back again next time for level five if anyone does want to know more about these 22 level or this 22 level gradations of evil scale that i keep talking about in all these cases go back listen to season two premiere episode and give you a very sorry the very info heavy uh introduction as briefly as i could make it in that it's very info heavy i'm just warning you now but it will explain what i'm talking about more in depth otherwise i don't go them in depth with it but you don't think we have anything else don't toss those doors, people. Don't. Not in Florida, you'll get in trouble. In Colorado, we'll be modifying that weather. No venereal diseases in Nebraska. Okay, venereal diseases. It's also a law that, like, if you were insane, they could fucking um, um, fix you. I like not anymore. They got rid of. Did they get rid of that law? Yeah. They used to be able to do that. They used to be able to. Yep. They used to be able to um, uh, sterilize. I wish it would like. Well, now I wish it just was a test. Well, it had to like take the apparent. Like one minute I'm like, oh fucking humans, and the other minute I'm like, fucking take those bitches out. <laughs> you realize you're human, right? I looked meow, man. That's true. I had decided that if the zombie apocalypse were to happen, I would just stand there and let them have me. Legit. Like, what What am I living for at that point? Just run away from them and not be able to shower or anything? It's like they're having a good time. You know, they're don't That's fart true. Out. I mean, like, why don't I want to be as... I can't die. Right? I mean, they don't know that they're in misery eating people. It's true. There's no morals. I feel like this episode, like, legit, people are going to be like, what the fuck are they on? Or they will realize that we are called nocturnal distractions, everyone, in case you have forgotten what we're called. We are called nocturnal distraction distractions. Those happen for a reason. And this is it. Is the reason. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Bye, guys. That was fucking-